website is www.originfamilycenteredmaternityhospital.co.za. Thank you so much for Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye bye. It's not time, and we'll give it's 021-911-0650, but we'll give it again at the end of the show, and it's now time for news headlines. Thanks, Shadow. Good afternoon. The DA says the ruling by the High Court in Pretoria on the spy tapes case means that 783 charges against President Jacob Zuma may have been, rather have been, automatically reinstated. Judgment in the appeal case of former Grand Slam tennis champion Bob Hewitt has been reserved in the appeal court in Bloemfontein. And a board of inquiry into suspended National Police Commissioner Rea Piecha's fitness to hold office is underway in Pretoria. Details at 2 o'clock. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. In South Africa, one in five women suffers from depression or anxiety during and after pregnancy in South Africa, and most of the women in South Africa who experience maternal mental illness are poor from disadvantaged communities and face many challenges in accessing services and care. Here to talk to me about uh, about world maternal illness, um, maternal mental illness rather, is the director of the Perinatal Mental Health Project, uh, Simone Honickman, is it? Hello, Simone. Hi, Shadow. It's Simone Honickman. Lovely to be on the show again. Well, thank you for yeah, thank you for joining us again. And you know, these are staggering figures. Yeah, in fact, um, there are pockets of South Africa which have shown even higher figures. The the Kailicha study conducted in 1999 showed that 34% of women had postnatal depression. And there was a study that was conducted in rural KwaZulu-Natal which showed something like 45% of women had depression during pregnancy. And those were both studies using diagnostic um, measures. So the, so the rates are extremely high. So, so with, with mental illness, what, what are we talking about? Depression, uh, anxiety, what, what exactly are we talking about? Exactly. I think we're talking about the common mental disorders because those are, not surprisingly, the the disorders that occur commonly. And here we're speaking about depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, which can be extremely disabling um, for women. Um, Some people would, um, would consider that the alcohol and drug abuse disorders also should be seen together with the, the, the anxiety spectrum and depression disorders. So, yes, at our project, the Perinatal Mental Health Project, we're focusing on all three, depression, anxiety, alcohol, and drug, drug misuse. So, so, Simone, you know, do, 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 the, do the patients themselves recognize the illness and how does it pre- to prevent it, I mean, present itself? Because, you know, after, after, after giving birth, or during it, it, it seems like something that comes with pregnancy and what every woman experiences. When do I identify it as a problem if I've just, or during my pregnancy or even after delivery? When do I understand it's a problem that needs attention? Well, sadly, a lot of people do not recognize it in themselves, um, nor do a lot of health systems recognize it in their clients or patients. Um, this is really a Cinderella illness in the spectrum of illnesses out there. Mm-hmm. We're far more likely to identify physical pain or respond to some kind of physical ailment, 
that um, what happens um, at the psychological or emotional level often goes undetected by all of us. I mean, that's part of the, the, this terrible stigma that we have to address. So, so how it presents is, is really over several weeks. Um, an ongoing feeling for most of the day, every day, of, of a series of symptoms that actually impact on functioning. So when one's functioning is impaired, either in the home or at work or at school or with relationships and with community, and, and that, that set of symptoms has, has occurred for a period of a few weeks, then we are probably looking at some kind of a mental health Problem, and and for 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 depression, the symptoms are are predominantly low mood, tearfulness, lack of energy, um, a sense of hopelessness, difficulty with sleeping and eating, and and predominantly also a lack of enjoyment in things that were previously enjoyable, and then for anxiety, people feel feel for a lot of the time on edge, under threat, um, agitated. They might be quite they might be quite um, reactive or aggressive. Um, they're afraid all the time. So it's really about the pervasiveness of the symptoms and the duration of the symptoms and whether these symptoms are, are impacting on functioning. But it's not difficult to, to diagnose. And really, because it's so, problem, so, so prevalent, we really can't afford to think of these um, illnesses as specialist conditions. Every primary care person out there, whether you're a doctor or a nurse, should be equipped to identify these problems and to manage them. So, uh, what are the dangers of not treating these these uh, these illnesses, for instance, if 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 they're undetected, but yeah. also because they're undetected, you can't treat them. Yeah. And how 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 do they impact on on the children, on the babies that are born? Okay, so there, there are a series of, of dangers of, of not treating the illnesses for, for the mother herself and for her family. Um, firstly, if you, do not treat, um, if you do not treat the condition in the first pregnancy, it is more likely to come back again in, in subsequent pregnancies. Mm. So treatment well, good treatment at the initial stage can prevent recurrence. Secondly, um, the illness can get worse and can be prolonged if you don't treat it. Um, for the mother, untreated mental illness can be a loss, can result um, in, in a loss of income generating potential. It can predispose um, mothers to becoming victims of violence, to using substances and mm -hmm. alcohol, to self-medicate against the pain of anxiety and depression, um, um, untreated um, mental illness can also result in suicide and other self-harming behaviors in women. And suicide is, in fact, a leading cause of maternal death in, in, in certain countries in the world. For, for, the, for the infants or the offspring of mothers um, with mental health problems, it's been shown that, in fact, when either parent has a mental health problem. Children are vulnerable to a whole range of problems. So mm -hmm. it's not only the mothers, um, but when there is paternal depression or maternal depression or anxiety, um, infants are themselves vulnerable to, to mental health problems, to physical problems, and to a range of developmental problems, language mm -hmm. delays, 
um, mm. delays in their motor development, in their in their cognitive development, how they function in school. Mm. So none of these none of these outcomes for children are inevitable. If you if a child has um, positive parenting and and a, and a loving and nurturing caretaker, even if it's a a granny or another family member or some kind of carer, then quite often children can be buffered against the impact of the mental health problems in their parents. But mm. obviously it's ideal to, to manage the mental health problem in parents so that they can be the best possible parents that they can be. Simone, at your perinatal mental health project, um, can people have access to learn more about uh, maternal mental health um, and, and what sort of services can they expect from you? Um, we unfortunately are only providing services at three midwife obstetric units. Um, so if women are attending those MOUs, they have um, free access to our, our services, which include psychoeducation, screening, on-site counselling and follow-up for up to one year post-delivery. Um, and that's at Fisher Hospital, at Lisbeck Midwife Obstetric Unit at Mowbray Maternity and at Hanover Park. However, we do have for anybody else out there, whether you're a practitioner, a researcher, a father, a mother, a granny, we have a resource online which has been developed for a range of users to access a range of different types of information. Mm-hmm. And our website is is www.pmhp.za.org. That's www.pm for mother, hp.za.org. And all our resources are completely freely available online. We have um, short, easy-to-read briefs. We have movies. We have videos and interviews with interesting people. We have mother stories to be read. There's a lot that you can do and play, play on that site to, to equip yourself um, as, a, as a practitioner, as a mother, as a partner of a mother to, to know as much as possible. And we link you to academic papers, to what's happening internationally, to mm. other NGOs doing um, exciting things as well. Well, I hope they use the day tomorrow, which is First World Maternal Mental Health Day, uh, to, to arm ourselves with all that information. But thank you so much, Simone for your time and always sharing with us. Thanks, Charlotte. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. That's uh, www.pmhp, which stands for Perinatal Mental Health Project. Um, that's where you find all the information, pmhp.za.org. Um, and, and listen, yeah, anyone can go there and learn about it. It could help. It could help uh, a member of your family. Um, when we come back, I'm speaking with Professor Naima Abrams of the South African Medical Research Council, who's talking to us about a study that reveals that more than one young child is killed per day in South Africa. Some things come naturally to SAFM, SAFM. like being SA's news and information leader. Information. SAFM, 104 to 107. Welcome to uh, Professor Naima Abrams. Hello. Hi, hello. Uh, Thank you for availing yourself. I know you've had a very busy day and you still continue to with all these long weekends, eh? Mm. <laughs> now, now the, the study is, um, can, can you tell us about the sample of this research 
that talks about one young child killed per day in South Africa. Right. Uh, so, Shadow, um, we um, have done homicide studies. We did the female homicide study in 2009, and that's when we had the bright idea to add children and to look at child homicide. Mm-hmm. And when we did the in- initial analysis, we saw that, not surprisingly, the most common age group to be killed was the older age group, the adolescents. And so we weren't surprised about that because the boys mimics adult male murder and the girls are being murdered as adolescents mimic the the femicide type of murders. Mm -hmm. But what surprised us most was to see that the second most common vulnerable group to be killed was the youngest group, the under five-year-olds. And so what we did was to take this into greater depth, to look at it in more detail, to look at it in terms of breaking up the ages in much more detail and uh, look at uh, boys and girls and look at perpetrators. And this is what we came up with. We found, so we looked at the under five-year age group and we found that um, 554 children were killed in 2009. And this is a conservative uh, estimate, Mm. uh, um, Shadow, because what we did, we took a random sample of mortuaries. So we started at mortuaries, Mm. because all uh, unnatural deaths uh, must have an inquest or a post-mortem done. Mm. And we identified the children where there was a very definite homicide or where, for example, the child died from a head injury. And then we followed it up with a police investigation. Mm-hmm. And we spoke to the policeman and we tried to establish the motive for the, uh, for the circumstances of the death and whether there was a known perpetrator. And, and, and this is the data that we then were able to identify um, very clearly whether a child was killed, whether it was a murder or whether it was accidental. And so we, for example, didn't even look at the SIDS the SIDS or the sudden infant death syndrome mm-hmm. babies because globally it's known that a proportion of them are also children that are murdered. What do we draw from? Because uh, yeah. I'm thinking of the, the causes of death um, and, and because you, they definitely killed. You, you, you know that for sure. And, and how they're killed and why they're killed and who the perpetrators are. Can we, can we get some information around that? Yeah, so we know, for example, when there is a a definite injury and there's an admission, so there's a head injury or there's breaking of bones and things like that. The one group which we need to understand a lot more is the very young group, where a newborn baby is abandoned. Hmm. Now, by default... By default, we blame the mother. We say that the woman gave birth and shortly thereafter, she abandoned this child. So the child dies because of exposure or something like that. But we have no idea whether that woman abandoned the child with the hope that that the child is found Mm -hmm. and then taken care of Mm -hmm. or that the intention was that the child be killed. And I think that is what makes this, I know it's extremely emotive because we keep, we, this thing about mothers killing children and all mm-hmm. of that. And I want us to step back and to think about what is it that our services, particularly our health services, are not doing to assist vulnerable women and young women in particular. 
we start off with an unwanted pregnancy. So the girl might find out she's pregnant, um, but how come family planning services were not accessible to mm. her? Secondly, she might discover she's pregnant when she's quite late in the pregnancy. Mm. So abortion services is not an option for her. Then thirdly, when she delivers the baby, why is she not given the option of adoption? Is that ever discussed with, with, with women? Mm. We're so discouraged. It's a, you know, it's not fathomable for us to actually think that a woman would want to give up her child. We want to have this view of all women being the perfect mothers, and how can she ever possibly want to give up this beautiful baby? So, but women have real difficult lives, and we don't know about it. We don't know the role of the father, for example. Mm. We don't know if the, the, hus- the boyfriend, husband, whoever, the partner helped her to abandon this child. We just by default assume it is her. Um, so there is so much more that we need to understand about supporting at-risk and vulnerable women that are pregnant with unwanted pregnancies. Neymar, uh, what happens to this research? Where does it go and how, how does, who does it inform uh, for us to respond, for instance, of all the services that ought to be there that are not there to support the young mother or the young girl or the woman, um, you know, I, I, you, it's important information. But how does it how does it influence policy yeah. and those kinds of things? So this has been presented to Parliament before. Um, about one and a half years ago, I was invited and I took it there and I did um, a similar call for uh, support. So, number one, I think, first of all, this is the first time we have a figure. We have a number. We know now how, how many children are killed. We don't have a monitoring system in place in our country where we know what happened in 2014 or what happened in 2016 this year. So, Number one, we need to have a data survey monitoring system in place where we can see whether our interventions that we're going to do now, whether that has done something. Has, has it changed? Has it decreased? Has it increased? Because often um, people are asking me this question. I don't know. Mm. Secondly, yes, we need to be talking to young men and women about pregnancy prevention. So family planning services are obviously not really catching everybody. They should be catching and providing the services. Mm -hmm. And then um, just recognizing symptoms of pregnancy, for example. Is it really true that women didn't know that they're pregnant and therefore not able to to seek uh, services early enough? And then, you know, having prepared this paper, we really looked at what's happening. This, This is not... It's, I mean, there's always been the case of women, children being abandoned. But if we look at the older child, we see discipline again. We see very strong discipline, very harsh discipline being handed down to children that are three and four and five years old. And this usually is a male member of the family, usually the father, who now kind of takes over the disciplining role in in the family. Hmm. And so we see the discipline which we see in our other studies of violence against children. 
I think, you know, Naima, we're going to, because I've run out of time now, I think we need to invite you for a bigger conversation because this is so important. And as you speak, you bring up so many other themes that we need to, you know, educate people about more than anything else so that we can identify these challenges that we face and, and hopefully influence the, the prevention of these children being killed. I'm going to ask my producer to please get you to come and spend some time with us and unpack all of this. Right, that would be great. And I have other colleagues as well uh, who worked with me on this project that would love to be able to, to share our, our research and, and to help think about what, how we can address it. Fantastic. So we'll make a date then with you. Mm-hmm. But thanks okay. for your time, Naima, and thank you okay. so much for talking to us. Pleasure. Okay, Better. take care. Bye-bye. Bye. We need to revisit this, and I'm happy that we'll get Naima and her colleagues to come into the studio and, 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 you know, hopefully engage them. You may engage them as well. It's time for a children's story. Shop, shop. Shop, shop children's program on SAFM with Leon Fisser. And it is shop, shop, it's shop, shop. Hello everyone and welcome to another Sharp Sharp Show and to a rather upset looking Sophie. I'm a rather upset feeling Sophie, Uncle Leon. Well, why is that darling? Well, because Mummy and Daddy moan at me all the time. No Sophie, you can't do this. No, you mustn't do that. Well, I'm sure they have a good reason. What kind of things do they say, Sophie? No Sophie, there's no running in the house. No, you don't run with scissors in your hands. And you must share with your brother and take turns. And look carefully before you cross the road. And wash your hands before supper. And also you have to tidy your room, Sophie. So many, so many, so many rules. Okay, well, you want to know what I think. Maybe. But I've got a feeling that you're going to be on their side anyway. (laughs) Well, I'm on no one side here. But all of those things sound like pretty good rules to have. (laughs) I knew it. 